Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Well, happy Mother's Day. I see we have uh, people honoring mom by being here with her today. Uh, Let me just add, though, whether you're a mother or not, seated before me today are the most beautiful women in the world. Forget about Miss America and Miss Universe. Step aside, supermodels. There's no comparison. Compared to our sisters in Christ, they aren't even in the competition. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Hold that thought because we'll come back to it. Today we continue in our fifth sermon in the series that Monty has entitled Shadows. We have considered various characteristics valued in most of human culture, justice, love, truth, and freedom. But what we've discovered is these generally accepted cultural values appear in shadow when compared with the light of the gospel. We have examined how they are transformed by Jesus' story and his teaching, particularly as we see them in in John's gospel. The values of his kingdom supersede conventional wisdom. And today, then, we examine beauty. How do we identify or define beauty? I think we see beauty in two primary areas. First, in the handiwork of God, including the natural world and human beings. And then secondly, in the handiwork of human beings, we see beauty. For the opening screen on my computer, uh, my laptop, I have scenic images that change daily. Mountains, lakes, islands, animals, flowers, sunsets, seascapes, snow, you get the picture. Um, How many of you saw the northern lights a couple weeks ago? Anybody stay up (laughs) or get up (laughs) to watch them? Uh, If you didn't see them, you probably did see pictures that others took and marveled at what appears to be liquid-colored light streaming across the sky. When we consider all the diversity and the beauty of the natural world and we give credit where credit is due, we turn our attention to God. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. The created world is a true overflow of God's character and power. Psalm 19, 1 through 4, reminds us of the role and purpose of creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. However, not everyone, when they see beauty, turns their attention to God as creator, giving credit to him. Some would prefer to see this beauty as a, an accident of nature rather than the reflection of the genius and power of a living God. When we do that, when we fail to see God as revealed in his creation, uh, we are just one step away from idolatry, which worships the creature rather than the creator. The branch of theology known as general revelation reminds us that all people can know of God's character, even if they do not know the specific aspect of revelation through Jesus Christ. This is what Paul says about that in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. When we reject what we see of God in the natural world, we tend to elevate created things including humans, beyond their place in God's world. The second place we see beauty is in humankind and the creative works of our hands. We're told in the account of creation in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, scholars have pondered exactly what it means to be made in the image of God, and they've arrived at a variety of conclusions. Some say it means we have the ability to fashion things from what God has created, you know, taking elements like clay or, or other things and fashioning them uh, into, in, with creative power, similar in one sense to God's creative power. Others say it means we have the ability to conceive of things that are not yet happening, including the whole idea of eternity. But all would agree that being made in God's image means that we share in some of the characteristics of God. God created a world of beauty and placed mankind in it, and he labeled his creation as very good. <clears throat> we are hardwired for beauty. God gave us five senses to enable us to appreciate and comprehend beauty. But though created in beauty, 
Our world is not always beautiful. When sin came into the world, beauty suffered as well. As a result, we are collectively preoccupied with restoring beauty, especially in the human form. Appearance is the first thing we notice about someone upon meeting them. And it is often that by which we judge a person's worth. The American cosmetics industry benefits from $50 billion annually in revenue. That's about $150 for every man, woman, and child in America. Add another $20 billion to the figures above to cover cosmetic surgical procedures. One would hope that such an outlay of cash would result in more beautiful people. But what passes for beauty is often a physical caricature. What do I mean by a, a caricature? It's an imitation of a person with certain striking characteristics that are exaggerated in order to uh, create a comic or grotesque effect. It's similar, for example, to putting on clown makeup that accentuates and, and elaborates uh, eyes and nose and mouth and ears. Uh, and such an alteration of the human face may account for some people's frightened reactions when they interact with a clown. One of the current trends in cosmetics, uh, and I didn't know this, I had to look this up, okay? Uh, one of the current trends in cosmetics is the doll look, using surgery or products to achieve a flawless appearance. Catch that. It's not about looking natural but looking perfect, which is not natural. Though humans may display beauty in any number of ways, they are not perfect. Take a look in the mirror, and you'll see what I mean. And you know what? Whatever you see there, it is okay. Cosmetic surgeries often reflect our age-defying desires, but really do nothing to extend life or to improve its quality. In spite of whatever our culture tells you, beauty is not dependent on flawless appearances. Our fixation on beauty also causes us to focus on the human form in various stages of elaborate dress and undress, while true beauty is focused on character rather than caricature. Ugliness does not spring from a flawed appearance, but from foolishness and sin in our lives. The 2022 biopic about Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, traces her life from a teen in the church choir in Newark, New Jersey, to international superstardom, to her untimely drug-related death in 2012 at the age of 48. Throughout the movie, we see this mega-talent with model's looks and the voice. The voice that was praised as the greatest of her generation. 
Her last recording contract with Arista Records was for $100 million. But she didn't live long enough to reap any benefits from it. In spite of her wealth and her talent and her beauty, the best one can say at the end of the movie is, what a sad life. Her star rose quickly and soared high, but almost immediately, her personal life and relationships began spiraling downward, and all of it was taken away. She forgot her roots, neglecting the place where she started. It's no wonder Proverbs 31:30 tells us, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. God created paradise in all its beauty. Humankind damaged and destroyed it by sin. Can it be restored? God cares deeply about beauty. And God wants to restore true beauty in our world. Beauty is an important concept in scripture. But really, if you go to a concordance search, the word beauty is seldom found in scripture. So we have to search carefully for those passages that reflect on it. And this is where we finally come to the Gospel of John today. Now, just a side note here for you men in the audience. Lest you think this sermon is only applicable to the females here, that's not my purpose. Because when properly understood, God wants men to be beautiful too, in the true sense of the word. Perhaps the most important verse in John's gospel is chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's in this verse that we find not only the most important verse in John, but it's where we find the climax of our story. The truth expressed is the source and definition of beauty. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. In Jesus, God pitched his tent with humans in a way he never did in the tabernacle or the temple of old. We first read about the tabernacle in the latter half of Exodus. This tent of meeting was where God promised to dwell in the midst of his people as they wandered through the Sinai wilderness. He gave explicit instructions regarding its design and construction. Did you ever wonder why it's spelled out in such detail with regard to its colors and its decorations? One example is in Exodus 25, 3 through 7. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. He's talking to Moses there about the children of Israel's offerings. You're to receive from them gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, 
and fine linen. Goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather. Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. The elaborately decorated and brightly colored tabernacle marked God's presence among his people in stark contrast to the bleakness of their journey through the wilderness. God was deserving of the best they could offer him. In similar manner today, if you travel across Europe, you will see lavishly decorated church buildings and cathedrals, even in the smallest of villages. Our Protestant sensitivities cause us to turn up our noses as we scoff at such waste fit for a king, when in one sense, these beautiful buildings are dedicated to the worship and presence of the greatest king of all, our Lord God. Oh, I know that we don't have to go to such a place to worship him today. But in another sense, these buildings remind us of God's promise of his presence with the Israelites. In an even more significant sense today, Jesus Christ is our Emmanuel, our God with us. And he deserves all the beauty we can offer him by the lives we, get, we give. John says in Jesus... We have seen God's glory. What is his glory? What do we mean by that? It's his outer manifestation of his true nature. We look at people, we see the outside. We can't see into their heart. But when Jesus declares God's glory to us, we see his character. We see who he is truly. The Israelites saw God's glory among them by a cloud that led them by day and a pillar of fire that kept watch at night. When the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud settled, they settled. Jesus' glory was literally seen in his transfiguration. Matthew records it like this in Matthew 17, verses 2 and 5. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Simply put, during his life on this earth, Jesus revealed to us the nature of God. And God the Father was pleased with the beauty he saw in him. John goes on to say in chapter 1, verse 18, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. He shows us what God is like but also serves as the example of an ideal human. Jesus is the epitome of what it means to be human. And as we gaze upon his beauty, 
we also become more beautiful in his eyes. In John's Gospel, we see the glory of God revealed through the deeds of Jesus Christ. God living among us. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. A disciple spent time with, with their teacher or master in order to become like him. And our greatest beauty is known as our lives conform to his. An understanding of the incarnation of Jesus holds the key to making sense of beauty in our world. What it means to be truly human and what it means for us human beings to flourish and thrive. Let's think back to 1 Peter 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Too often, our search for beauty involves great concern for impressing others. We worry about what others will think. True beauty concerns itself with what God thinks. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can give honor where honor is due to our mothers today, but most of all, Lord, we're thankful that each of us, as your disciples, can come to be more like Christ with each passing day. We we pray that we understand, Lord, the true meaning of beauty and that beauty is not about outward appearances, but it's about the inner spirit. And we ask, Lord, we plead with you, make us more beautiful. In Christ's name we pray, amen.